Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. So good to celebrate Christmas and uh, give a, a, a genuine focus to what it means and the power of Christmas in our lives. I want to encourage you guys. That, uh, Josh mentioned something very, very important to us right now, and that is the reading plan. The reading plan. So if you don't have the Bible app on your phone or your uh, tablet or something like that, we encourage you to go get it. And you can do it on your computer as well. It, you just click on, you can go to our website. There you can hit the link and it'll take you right to the Advent reading plan. And we're in day three, I believe it is right now, or four. today, Day four today. And uh, we encourage you to read that plan with everybody else that's reading it in our church. And it's just a great time, you, and, and you can enjoy just hanging out and uh, praying over those verses and, and passages that you read. It's, it's a really easy read. If you don't, if you're not technologically with it, it's okay. We got you covered. There's some paper versions of the reading on, in the back, and you can get that on the green wall at the My Journey desk, and we just encourage you to jump in. Also, want to encourage you to grab these blue cards and invite as many people and friends as you can to uh, e uh, Christmas Eve, Easter. Um, Christmas Eve, <clears throat> we are going to have a great time. We are not going to have service on Sunday the 25th. You are going to have service at your home hanging out with your family, doing, uh, reading the Bible, telling the, the Christmas story, and enjoying your own worship experience on Sunday morning. Saturday night, though, we're going to have a blowout time. It's going to be so fun. Uh, winter walk in the front, and you can see some changes that we're making, but getting ready for tonight, and then we'll certainly be ready for Christmas Eve, and it'll be a great, great time. You don't want to miss tonight. There's food trucks and everything coming. It's just going to be really, really good, so please Come and, and uh, bring some friends. It's going to be a great time. Well, we're in this series called Advent, and like Josh said, um, the focal point of this week is Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Bethlehem's candle represents all kinds of different things. And what I learned over the study time that I've had is that many uh, religious organizations or religious denominations kind of focus on different themes for this particular week. And this week is either preparation, kind of the preparation of what it took to get uh, Jesus to this earth. Um, there's also the, the focus on faith or the focus on love. We're going to focus on the idea of faith because I believe that, excuse me, um, when we focus on faith, we'll, we'll understand that we have a God who we can trust in any circumstance, in any circumstance. There's a difference between having a faith for something and a faith in something. A faith for something is a simple concept that means that you have, uh, like I have faith for uh, a raise coming in the future. But that doesn't say what your faith is in. It just says that you're, you're, you have faith for something. And that's okay. It's good to have faith for something. But if you don't have faith in something, that in is what gives the power for the thing to happen. And so if you don't have faith in something, you're in trouble because everything could depend on you. Everything could depend on your boss. Everything could depend on a, a, another force that you're not identifying. But if you say, I have my faith in God, then 
There's a stability in that faith that you have that no matter what happens, you can still have faith. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay. Um, if if uh, anybody use Waze to get somewhere, we have a saying in our family, trust the Waze. Trust the Waze. We, and I use Waze every once in a while. Waze talks a lot. Um, I like I like the maps in the Bible or in the in Apple. Um, it doesn't talk quite as much. And the the cool thing is you can choose the voices that you hear. You know, you can choose the English version. I think they need to do it like a thug version. You know, like a, yo, where are you tripping? You know, that sort of thing. Um, I think my daughter has the English guy's voice. Turn right here. You know, and and uh, that, that's a terrible imitation of that but um <clears throat> trust the ways and and uh, you know if you have siri you 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 can say hey siri take me here take me there um all those kinds of things i've I, what's interesting is when traffic happens and when traffic gets thick and then all of a sudden ways says you can save 10 minutes going this way and it's going to take you off the freeway or off the main drag and down some side streets and I've been down neighborhoods and all these things, and I'm like, where are we going? But I have to put my trust in the ways to get me there. And if I don't, I'm in trouble. And I, I, I still think that there's times where it should say, you know, hey, dummy, you didn't listen to me. Because every once in a while, I'll say, no, I'm not going to trust the ways. I'm going to go where I know it's going. And this is kind of the, the situation that the Israelites were in when they heard this prophecy about God, about Jesus coming and this deliverer, this ruler, this is kind of how they felt is that there was, they, they knew the way. They've been following this way, this, this way of life. They've been given the rules. They've been given the Ten Commandments. They've been given all these laws. They've been told to do all these sacrifices. And if they do these, they'll have the favor of God and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, along comes this guy named Micah, and Micah says this, he says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. There's so much rich thought in this passage. But it's really interesting that if you kind of put yourself in the shoes of an Israelite and you are hearing that all of a sudden, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, the traffic is, is going on, and you're, and you're stopped, and you, you're stuck, and you don't know where to go. And then all of a sudden, Micah comes along and says, we're going to go this way, to Bethlehem. And in this context, there was, Bethlehem was like kind of a side thought. I mean, it was the city of David. David was born there. David, the, the King David of, of the Old Testament, and, and, you know, David and Goliath, all that kind of stuff. He was born there, and it, so it made that city a little bit significant, but... It, Ultimately, it became just a village and an insignificant place. And, and what's really interesting about this is that it, uh, Bethlehem means the house of bread, which uh, Josh mentioned earlier, which is ironic because Jesus is the bread of life. So he's born in the house of bread, and he's going to be born in the house of bread, and the Messiah is coming to Bethlehem, this insignificant place. And I think a couple things that are really super important to understand, and this is why I believe we can focus on faith here, is because, one, nothing that God chooses to use is insignificant. And he's using us. 
you and me. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for the person next to you. And he has a plan for the person, the neighbor next to you. He has a person for the, the coworker that you work with. He has a plan for everyone in your life. And if we will embrace the idea that there is nothing insignificant, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you think you are. What, if God says, I'm going to do this in you, he's going to do this in you. And if he chooses to say, I'm going to bring the ruler of the world out of an insignificant city like Bethlehem, then I'm going to do that. And that's a reason for faith. That's a motivation to say, I'm going to rise up and be whatever God calls me to be. I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do. And it's really, really powerful. It's another interesting thing here is that Bethlehem was... Uh, <clears throat> was um, the, the throne where, where David was uh, uh, born, and this, this made it significant, but it was kind of the further away it got from the significance of David, it, it lost its significance over time. And I think that when we understand prophecy, this, this was prophecy. Micah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, was, was prophesying that, that Jesus was going to be born, and then Hundreds of years later, he's born in Bethlehem. In just a minute, we'll read a little bit of that detail. But I like what this one author said. He said this. He said, um, history is the unrolled scroll of prophecy. History is the unrolled scroll of prophecy. And I want to take it one step further. History is the unrolled revelation of God's revel uh, revelation to man. History is the unrolled revelation of God's relationship with you and me. If you look at your life and you see how God was continually setting you up to meet with him, that's pretty crazy. It's insane how God put your parents or maybe a friend or maybe uh, you, were, you were somehow uh, connected to someone that happened to know Jesus that introduced you or invited you to church or whatever the case may be, however you ended up here today, was all part of God's plan. Was all part of what God is doing in your life to bring you closer to Him. Not just to bring you to journey. journey. I mean, we love that you're here, but man, the whole reason we're here is because God wants to bring people to Him. And so every step that you've gone through to get here today is a step that God planned and orchestrated and that's what he's done through prophecy. It's the unrolled scroll of prophecy history. If you look back at your life, if I look back at my life, I can name people, Lucia Quintana, my, my gr grandmother. My, uh, my parents loved Jesus, and they went to church. And um, The Dabneys in my life were uh, the pastors of the church that I attended. They were really close friends of ours. I never accepted Christ until I, I left that church, but <clears throat> they were significant and influential, the huffs in my life, brought me to Jesus. Wendell Kruger invited me to the altar to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was a welder, and a welding put me next to the church that I ended up attending. All these kinds of crazy things that God orchestrated, He put in place so that I could experience Jesus and have Him in my life. And the same thing is likely true for you. And although you may not have had a prophecy that said, you will be born in Santa Monica. You know, it doesn't matter that. What matters is that God does have a plan for you. 
And that's what this story tells us. That's the significance of, of Bethlehem's candle is that there was a plan. There was something that was, that was uh, meant to be. And Jesus was no accident. And all the events leading up to Jesus being born and Jesus being brought into this world was no accident. If we look at chapter 2 of Luke, it says this, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Excuse me. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. That's a pretty amazing story right here. And I just want to draw your attention to a few of the little details that happen to come together based on a prophecy that was made hundreds of years prior. Remember? Micah said, in Bethlehem, a ruler will be born. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That census was timely. It was actually a census that was a little bit off schedule, which is really interesting. And this census was there to uh, prepare the Roman world for taxation and to know how many people are out there, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but this census was decreed by Caesar Augustus, and he decided that at this point in time, he decided that he would call for a census, which meant that the people who were born in certain cities would go back to those cities to register in the census. Isn't it interesting that Josh, Joseph... The father of Jesus, the stepfather of Jesus, so to speak, was born in Bethlehem, and he had to go back to Bethlehem to register for the census. Who, whom he was engaged to marry, who was already pregnant with Jesus, who already had experienced an angel. Don't tell me there are coincidences in life. Don't tell me that God isn't involved in the details. There's, a, there's, there's people out there that believe that there's a God, but that, that He's completely uninvolved. He doesn't really care. This isn't true. Isn't true. If you look at this, the whole idea of setting this, the, the scene up hundreds of years prior, and then later on it's coming to a, to, to a reality and everyone went to their own town to register. The timing, the place, everything was set up. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now I'm going to nerd out on you for a minute, but he belonged to the house and line of David. He was geneal genealogically or genetically connected to this town. Because he belonged to the family, the line, or the genealogy of David. 
This is crazy stuff, you guys. He's in charge of DNA. He's in charge of what happens when, when we're born. We think Caesar Augustus was in charge. No, God was in charge. We think genetics just happen. No, God takes care of those things. And he, he plans them out. You are no mistake. Your family line, your, your, your birth line, your, your, where you live today, all of these things, where you work, what you do, all these things are no mistakes. You say, oh, I've messed up my life. Well, God's great at, at taking a messed up thing and making it everything that it needs to be. <clears throat> and I just think that today when we talk about the, the Bethlehem's candle and we, we look at the idea that, that Jesus um, was born in Bethlehem and we look at the idea that jo Joseph uh, belonged to the house and line of David, those are no mistakes. And, and the reason I point it all out is because we have to put our faith in something, not just for something. And if we can put our faith in God, who knows and is control of everything, then we can live a life of confidence and not fear. I think our world is too full of fear, too full of the, the stuff that makes us question and wonder and, and, and try and, try and con uh, control things when in reality we need to put our faith in God, who is truly in control. And I think that's the power of understanding what happened at, at Christmas. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Here's another interesting timing thing. It was very likely, because they were living in, in uh, <clears throat> Nazareth at the time, that uh, Mary was starting to show in fact, we know she was starting to show because she was ready to have the baby in Bethlehem. And she is probably facing a lot of ridicule, religious ridicule, and even persecution in her hometown because she was uh, showing big time uh, Jesus, who, whom she had in, her, in her, her womb, and she was already showing. So we know that from the the move was actually a good thing to go away from the persecution and into another town where she could have the baby. And, of course, the baby was to be born in Bethlehem anyway. So how do we get her there? We, we have her uh, um, connected to Joseph, who is of the line of David. And then we have a census that has to happen so that they have to go up there. And we protect her by getting her out of the persecuted area and into a better area so that she can go have the baby and that is incredibly coincidental. I don't think so. Was it coincidental that I was born to a Christian family? And was it a coincidence that you met? You weren't born to a Christian family, but you met a Christian later on that invited you? Or that you had some kind of influence in your life that, 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 that made you draw yourself to, to, to Christ? Of course, the Holy Spirit's the one that draws us. Was it a coincidence that you met so-and-so, or, or was it a coincidence that you went through a tragedy that brought you to a point of, of thinking about your mortality and, and, and what would happen after you die? Is it, was it all those coincidences? No. This, this is God's fingerprints all over your life, and I think it's so powerful. 
You see, God had promised that the Savior would be human and not an angel. These are all promises in the Scriptures, the Genesis 3.15 and Hebrews 2.16. And a Jew, he would be a Jew, not a Gentile, Genesis 2, 1 through 3, or 12, 1 through 3. He would be from the, the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49.10. These are all prophecies and promises. And the fam, from the family of David, 2 Samuel 7, 1, uh, 1 through 17. Born of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14. In Bethlehem, in, in the city of David, Micah 5.2. All of these are not... Anything coincidental, they are all planned. And again, I'm, I'm, I know it sounds like I'm like just beating a single drum, but the point of the single drum is let's put faith in God because He truly is in control. Never underestimate the ability to God, of God to prepare and direct your life. It's better to put our faith in God than to put our faith for things. I have faith for blessings. I have faith for those things, but they only come from the person in whom I have faith in. And therefore, when we have the confidence that He can set up anything, that He can do anything, that He will will fulfill His promises, then we have a God who we can trust with everything, everything, every day, every moment, no matter the circumstance. Don't under, underestimate how intentional God is. And I encourage you to do this, and I've done this many times in my life, where you go back and you look at the moments, the God moments in your life. Go back and look at how God influenced your life. Go back and look at how He set you up, how He put things together. I, I, I can look back, and there's a couple uh, moves in ministry that I, I had to make that I wouldn't have made had I chose for myself. But because of change that happened in my circumstance, I had to make those changes. And because of that, it transformed my life. It transformed the direction of my heart. It transformed everything. And we have to embrace those changes. And now I look back, and it's true. Hindsight is twenty twenty. When you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see. But when when you look back and you see it, you see God's fingerprints all over your life and all over your circumstance. Identify who's been there. How many people have influenced your faith? Identify what events changed your direction and changed your circumstance. Identify those moments, those tragedies, those difficulties, excuse me, those trials that you went through that caused you to say, oh, man, I don't know what's going on here. And then all of a sudden, you end up in this direction. And God leads you there. He's worth putting your faith in. He said, I will be your guide in John chapter 16. I will guide you. I'll send my Holy Spirit and guide you. He promises that. I will never leave you or forsake you, Matthew 28, 20. (coughs) Excuse me. I will never leave you or forsake you, and he will always be with you. That's a promise and if he's so good at, at directing rulers of nations and, and DNA, he can certainly direct his presence in your life. Cast your anxiety on me and I will give you rest, First Peter 5, 7 says. And he promises that he will give you rest. Confess your sin and he will forgive you of your sin. That's another promise. And there's promise after promise after promise in Scripture that you can put your faith in him to know that he will come through. And he will bless you. He will touch you. He will give you hope. It says, if you sow generously, you will reap generously. That's a promise in relationship to our giving. 
All those things are great, great promises. And I want to encourage you this morning, let's put our faith where it belongs in God. In God. The Bethlehem candle is a promise. It's a promise of sending us the Savior, which he did. And all the details worked out just like it was supposed to. And he is the one who directed those promises. And today, whatever your, 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 your direction is, whatever is happening in your life, whatever circumstance you're facing, no matter what you're going through, you can enjoy the, the knowledge of knowing that it, ways isn't just taking you off track. Right? Redirecting. No, it's God taking you down the path that he knows is going to be best for you. It's God taking you down that path, and you're going, no, I don't want to go that way. I, I know the way this way. Trust the ways, our family would say. Trust the ways, and it will get you there like God wants you to. God is orchestrating, orchestrating our lives much like he orchestrated the birth of Jesus. And I want to pray for you this morning that God would take and just use you in a special way this Christmas season to influence others. That's the other side of this coin is that he's not just directing your life. He's directing you in the lives of others. You have a sphere of influence. And you're not there for, by accident. You're not there just because. You're there because God put you in their lives to influence you. And to give you hope and to give you this, this desire, this hunger, this dream to make a difference in someone's heart and soul. And I want to pray that God uses you mightily. But first, let's put our faith where it belongs, in the Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to Bethlehem. Thank you for planning hundreds of years prior to him coming where he would be born, how he would be born, to whom he would be born to, in what ways he would be born. Even in a, in a, in a manger, he would be put in a, a food trough of an animal. Lord, all of these things were prophesied, were told. Lord, if you are so connected to those kinds of details, I'm convinced that you are connected to the details of our lives. You're connected to the details of every person in this room, every marriage, every relationship, every working relationship we have with co-workers, every neighbor that we live next to. All of these things are not just accidents, but parts of your plan. Lord, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would just bless the person and, or persons who are, are feeling as though their lives are not being directed. God, you are involved in their lives. God, you are directing them. You're leading them. You're guiding them. And even if they're resisting, you're getting in their way. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will just move powerfully to guide and direct every step. Help us to put our faith in you. Not just for things, but in you. And we trust that you will give us those things that we need to live for you to the fullest. I pray, Father, for those discouraged lives that are, are, are seemingly feel lost in this world. Lord, help them see the path that you've set them on. Help them to see, Lord, that you are guiding, that you are directing, that you are the one in charge, not their boss. The doctors aren't in charge. The the, 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 the the diseases of this world aren't 
overcoming us. Lord, you are in charge. And I believe that you are going to guide and direct and take us down the path that you want us to go down. And I thank you for that. Help us to recognize, God, that we are not just receivers of these uh, of your guidance, but we are also participants in your guidance. That you have put us in the lives of others to be an influence. That you have put us alongside other people so that we could reach them with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I pray today that you would allow us the privilege, God, of being a part of that plan. Help us to be aware. Help us to be bold. Help us to not shy away from the responsibilities you've given us to love those around us and to make a difference in this world. God, I believe today that you are calling somebody out just to receive you as their Savior. I pray for the the heart that's here today, Lord, that came not knowing you but desiring to know you after realizing that you are heavily involved in their lives. You love them. You care for them. You will forgive their sin. You will promise them eternal life, and you will come through on all those promises. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just awaken that heart to receive you as their Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him, but you want one, would you just pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. I confess that I'm a sinner and that I've made mistakes, but I believe that you died on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven. And I accept your forgiveness today. And I repent of those sins. I will turn away from them and walk towards a relationship with you for the rest of my life. I believe that you were raised from the dead and that you today live eternally. And I will live eternally with you. Because of my confession of sin and because of my confession of your resurrection, I today accept salvation in my life. And I will live with you and for you for the rest of my life. And I thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.